Yeah. I mean, like our first like full year, I think you already shared it. it well, you said 20 <laughs> is 40, but uh, yeah, we did about $40 million. And then, um, you know, this year we're on track to do 30%, 35% growth. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like my days off. So we are here in the uh, where we are, shed. Bro. Yeah, in the shed. In the yeah. shed. <laughs> like this studio, like I'm looking at the video, it looks legit. Yeah. People don't know what this looks like from the outside. Yeah. This is definitely like a sketchy, um, like I've seen a Netflix documentary yeah. about a shed like this. Well, you got here five minutes later than we did. It was it was like 100 degrees in here. Before right. We got here. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a sweaty podcast. Yeah. And this is, uh, you guys are different than... I'll say our normal guests, which are almost always like, I don't know, business, like tech, software yeah. type of entrepreneur. Uh, y'all are entrepreneurs in a different way. Yeah. And you're Instagram famous. So that's cool. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, you tagged yeah, me in a that. story yesterday. And I got to say, my wife has never looked at me that way before. She was like, <laughs> she was like oh, because she's never listened to one episode of this podcast. Not no one. way. Like, we've done really? maybe 400 episodes. She's not a podcast person in general. Like she doesn't okay. listen to anyone's podcast. Yeah. yeah. But you would think maybe she'll listen to live. Yeah. We got little kids now. There's just there. not a lot of like time yeah. to like do things like that. Hey, I get it. But I think she'll listen to this one. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. because uh, she's a fan of yours. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, and we hung out at dinner last night, got to know each other a little bit. So I'm yeah. excited. Maybe we'll do like you guys give like, like a 60 second intro. Of yeah. Who you yeah. guys are. What, why uh, introduce yourselves to the audience. You know? Sure. Um, I'll go you first. Go, yeah. So my name is Danny Austin. And I started uh, creating content online about 10 years ago. I was actually living in Austin. I was at the University of Texas, sophomore, like just making videos on YouTube in my, in my dorm room. Um, you know, kind of just grew from there really fast. Then got on Instagram, all the other platforms. We now run Divi, which is a scalp care, uh, hair care product brand. Um, and we do that together. We have a lot of fun yep. doing that. Honestly, online, we just share anything about our lives from like, be having two kids under two to, um, you know, fast or affordable fashion. Um, yeah. yeah. We've kind good. of been doing that together for, you know, five years. So she's been online for 10 years. You know, we met, we didn't work together until we got married. I was in like Austin tech scene before we got married. And then, uh, you know, I was telling you last night, this just became a lifestyle and it was all consuming. Right. And so she would be in like, Turks and Caicos and I would be in a boardroom and I'd be like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing in my life? And so around 2018, we took the leap to work together, jumped into kind of like the influencer space, which we it didn't have a name before that. Right. It was just like we created content. And then I think the media started covering it a lot more. And then they labeled me an Instagram husband. And then they uh, labeled our, our industry, you know, the How do you feel about that label? You know, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I did it. Wait, uh, that's so not true. At first, you hated <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's true. It, it was that party to be like, what do you do? And he's like, uh, you never knew. Well, when you're coming out of college, like, you know, so much of your identity is wrapped up in your title, course, especially yeah. being here in Austin, Texas. Like, you know, in the tech scene, it was like, oh, what startup are you part of? Do you all have funding? You know, what's your title? What employee number were you? And so I was still kind of caught up in that mindset. And then you know, we jumped in together. It was like, I, I remember the first article that came out was by uh, a writer named Taylor Lorenz. And she wrote an article yeah. about what is the Instagram I got a history husband. with Taylor Lorenz too. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. Really? She, she, uh, dude, it's crazy. A lot of people have a history with her now. But, uh, you know, she so she she wrote that article and she quoted me in it. And then I was like labeled the Instagram husband. But uh, yeah. And so we we did the influencer industry for five years together and just honestly created content together. And then 
COVID hit and, and brands started really investing well, in that space. We should also say how this came about. Yeah. You listen to the pod. Yes. And he, he's a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. Huge <laughs> fan. And so we, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know who yeah. you were at that time, but uh, I did an episode where I was talking about creator businesses. Yes. So content creators who have now spun off businesses that are doing really well, that are not called Mr. Beast. It's like, okay, everybody knows Mr. Beast. Yeah. So who are the, who, oh, what are the other cool, cool examples? And we did like maybe five, six, seven examples. And then Danny with, with Divi was one of them. And so I guess you heard yeah, that. Yeah. Well, so like a couple of nights before, I think I saw a tweet that you were doing and you were like, we're doing an episode on creator led businesses. And I, I think I like told you. You told me. I like You're rolled like, over. Man, that'd be so cool if they mentioned like, man, Divi like, one I day. I follow you guys on Twitter. And, you know, like I, I was like, oh man, like that'd be cool if they recognized Divi. But we're in a, a, a niche, right? That right. is totally not your niche. Right. Like, you know, you had, you had no idea who Danny was. I Last night, Danny was like watching the first couple episodes of y'all's podcast. And I was like, no, this is Sean. He's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was on a plane a couple days later listening to that episode. And then it was like, oh, have you ever heard of Danny Austin? You asked that to Sam. And Sam was like, no. <laughs> that was funny. And then it was like, uh, yeah, you talked about Divi. And I pr- really appreciate that. So I sent a DM and I was like, hey, man, we'd love to come and share our story. <laughs> It's very different than most of the businesses y'all cover, but. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. And let's play a little game. Uh, we went to dinner last night, Chinese restaurant. We ordered food. Let's see how well you know your husband. I don't, I don't know if he told you this already. He ate alligator. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he brought him home. ordered chicken. Does he order yeah. Wait, so He ordered yeah. alligator. <laughs> yeah. I, I did order it. And, and it was just Wait. kind of like a spur of the moment thing. There was a couple things that were funny about I this I think dinner. he was trying to impress us. <laughs> no, I, I was not trying to impress you. This is funny though. Like, so Matthew booked the dinner. Yeah. And it was, uh, so Sam Ellinger used to play football at UT Austin. That's one of Matthew's really good friends. Matthew works for, for Danny and I. And I go, hey, find a cool restaurant in, in Austin that, you know, we can talk to these right. people. He books this like upstairs room. There's like a chandelier. It's a table for 16. There's and then five of five us. Of us <laughs> and they walk in. I go, Matthew, this is such a power move. <laughs> and then on top of that, you know, the, I'm like, you know, we're, we're all talking. So I don't know what to order. And then he's like, you should try the alligator. I was like, okay, I'll take the alligator. And they were like. And then he brought it home and woke me up. And yeah. he was like, you got to try this alligator. I'm, like, I'm not really, touching it, that. It really, sorry. It really tastes like chicken. You should just try it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you didn't try the alligator. Yeah. That was a crazy move. Uh, I got to give you credit. I will never enjoy it. I'll never forget it. So yeah. uh, I guess that's maybe a lesson to be learned. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to a dinner with somebody for the first time, order the weirdest thing on the menu. They, <laughs> never they forget will it. Forget it. Uh, that's awesome. So you guys, uh, you started doing this back in 2012, uh, right to, around 2012. Mm-hmm. You're in college at the time. What was, because, you know, Instagram had been out, um, YouTube had been out for maybe five years by that point, mm-hmm. but it sounds like when you're talking about it, it was very early days back then. Mm-hmm. What was, what was working back then? How did like, what, did you have a tiny following back then? Like, how did it, and what yeah. were those early years like? So the backstory is my brother, Landon Austin, he's actually a musician and he started on YouTube. He just started posting covers of different songs. Um, he had one video blow up because people thought that he was John Mayer. That's, yeah. It was actually covering Tezande's like Chocolate Rain song. Anyway, so that popped off. So my brother started to like kind of acquire this audience and he told me about the space, but I thought it was so weird. Like I'd walk by his bedroom and he'd be like talking to all of his imaginary friends. And I just was 
I was like, come on, Landon, like you got to make some real friends. And so, um, but he ended up putting me in like a sibling tag because tags were really popular on YouTube back then, you know, like the chubby bunny challenge or whatever tag. So he put me in a video and, you know, in all the comments, it's like, your sister should start a, a channel or she should share how she did her makeup or where'd she get her top. And so my brother actually made my channel for me and I didn't touch it. We went home over winter break and we were so bored because, you know, all of our friends are in Austin now. Everyone's in college. And, um, you know, I was just like, you know, what? let's give this thing a shot. So my brother filmed and edited my first video. It was all like just affordable New Year's Eve outfits and it popped off. And within like three months, I had 100,000 followers and I just started kind of posting consistently. I knew of like a handful of girls out in Los Angeles that were doing this right. like full time and they actually had managers and there were agencies that were just dedicated like specifically to YouTube, which was like a totally different world. So within three months, I signed with a manager. Um, and then every summer from then on out, I would just fly out to LA and do collabs because yeah, co collabs were like, yeah. oh yeah, collabs were everything. They actually had just opened YouTube space in Playa Vista in Los Angeles as well. And they had this thing called the creator program where they only allowed, I think like 10 or 11 of us in and creators of all sizes. And we were for it. You had to collab with two other creators in the program in order to be able to use YouTube space. So like when you got to YouTube space, I mean, they had everything from like the, you know, a red camera. They had studios. They had, you know, editing bays, editing suites. They had all these classes you could take. So I would go and work for my manager from like, you know, nine to five. And then from five to like nine, I would go to YouTube space and just collab make YouTube videos, learn about how to edit and everything. And you're like 21 at the time. Yeah, I'm 21. No, I was 20. Actually, it was 19, 20. I couldn't so what drink. Were you, what were you remember... doing when you're working for your manager? Just by day, you're like, so that's how coffees I... and stuff? Or yeah, what? Like... no. I mean, I was like um, in on like all of the negotiations. Like a lot of the creators were moving out to LA and the brands would come to the office and, you know, meet all the creators. And I honestly learned everything about like the back end of the business. Because right. at and that so, time you weren't the star, but you were like exactly. building up. Yes. And then like also being around all these creators, I would meet some of like the girls that I loved and then get their number and then we right. would collab and everyone was very, it was just very collaborative. Everybody's helping each other out. Um, so it was awesome. And But then I was able to kind of take all of that back to Austin and there really weren't a lot of, you know, YouTubers in Austin, which also kind of helped me because I felt like I was one of the only ones. Right. And so... Um, when I was, I did start kind of like pitching myself to brands because like I also signed with my manager, but she was, you know, managing girls that had over a million followers. I had maybe 150,000 at the time. Um, and so I started pitching myself to all these like startups in Austin. And what I found was what was happening was I was getting these brand deals or these partnerships. I would, you know, get to know them, pull them in and then forward them to my manager and then I would look on YouTube and like all the other girls that were signed with her would be working with these brands and I wasn't. So I was basically <laughs> just like funneling these brands to my manager. So I realized at that time, I was like, I'm not big enough for them to care. Right. So I need to get out of this contract and just kind of manage, manage myself and build my own team and like have people that actually care about what I'm doing. <laughs> um. So as soon as I could, I got out of that contract. And ever since then, we've always kind of had like an in-house team, um, which we've learned a lot <laughs> oh <my gosh laughs> from that. So but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of crazy how it's evolved. And so how, even when you were, so how big is the audience now? So now on Instagram, like total, total on all of our platforms, we have like probably over 2 million, yeah. 2.5 million. the main one is Instagram now? Main one is Instagram, which is like the perfect platform for us. Um, most of our content is on Instagram stories. And the yeah. reason we like that is because 
it's kind of like reality TV where I wake up with my audience. Like, like literally when I wake up in the morning, I get on stories and I carry them throughout the entire day. And so it's just like the closest. I feel like people really feel like they're in our homes. You right. know, it's it's very stripped down. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more authentic. Yeah. Kind of like follow, follow my day. And so you uh, you've done that. Now you also launched Divi. Yeah. And because that's kind of how we when we initially found yeah. you guys, I read this thread. I read the Twitter thread. Somebody else, somebody else had written about this. And they named five or six creators I'd never heard of that had businesses that were really big. It was like Divi, uh, it's a, you know, this sort of like hair care product or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was doing 40 million or something in revenue. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but I remember being like, wow, that's like really significant and so cool. Like I never really, like, I never heard of that. Yes. You hear the same three or four examples all the time when it comes to like, like Logan Paul and Prime and Mr. Yeah. Beast and whatever, yeah. <laughs> like, especially in the tech world, we kind of hear the same. We're not like as deep in. So you only hear this, hear the same, you know, three or four examples every single time. So how did that come about? How'd you, yeah. when did you decide to, instead of posting for other people, like let's create our own brand and how'd you pick the product? How did you like, yeah. how'd you have the confidence to go for it? Yeah. So, um, there was definitely an era on Instagram where everything was perfect. You know, it's like back in the day of like posting the perfect selfie or the perfect, like, latte art whatever it was um and so i definitely played that game and it gets very exhausting after a while i started actually losing my hair when i was in college whenever i was at ut first it started with like just me being so stressed out because i'm at ut i'm flying to la every weekend i'm posting on these videos i have like neutrogena's like where's the brand deal and i have like four <laughs> exams the next day so i'm stressed out all the time start pulling my hair then I get hair extensions to try to like cover that up. That makes it worse. Then I bleach my hair. That makes it worse. When we get married, I think like a year in, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I literally have no more hair. I was like, I didn't even want to leave the house anymore. So Jordan. And this is a dumb question. I mean, are we talking yeah. a couple strands of hair? What are we talking about? Yeah, no, here? I mean like bald spots. Like, like patches. Like patches of hair. And I mean, it was stress driven? Stress driven and then hair extensions. So that's probably like more traction alopecia. Okay. So what happens when you put hair extensions in, like your hair can't withstand that weight. And instead of just losing hair where the hair extension is, with traction alopecia, you actually lose hair like around that whole surrounding area. So it was like multiple bald spots like all over. So Jordan, of course, my husband, he's like, wait, I don't get it. Like, why don't you just get a wig? All the Kardashians wear wigs. What's, what's wrong with that? So he takes me to a wig shop in Dallas, like the first place he Googles. We walk in. It's like a Halloween store. Right. Like the most expensive <laughs> wig is like. like, like probably called $40. Yeah. It's that bright neon yellow. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work. They're <laughs> like planful. plastic wigs. They're like the most expensive one is like 15 bucks. So I leave there like so defeated. I'm like, I'm always going to be bald, you know. So we actually um, learn about this like wig shop in Los Angeles called the wig shop actually yeah uh, from jeffree star yeah, i was gonna say jeffree star jeffree star is another youtuber anyway long story short we fly out there find my first wig i'm in wigs for a year and actually when i first got my first wig i didn't tell anybody because i was so embarrassed i was like we actually took a trip to chicago with my parents and my sister-in-law and my brother mm -hmm. and we didn't tell them the entire time they go oh nice haircut you right. know like they i mean no these idea. things can look so look real, real now yeah, they're it's, super real. it's insane so about a month into wearing it, I just felt like a fraud. I was like, I got to tell people, I feel like I'm probably not the only female going through something like this. I think that like people will appreciate it and hopefully they'll be cool with it. So I shared that I was wearing wigs and it kind of just opened up this door of like all these females that are kind of going through the same thing, like this like hidden epidemic of hair loss. 
Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing. If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, so... my wife all the time. After uh, after we had our first baby, I think there's like a known kind of like postpartum oh, yeah. with, like issue with, with oh. uh, hair losses. So she was talking about it all the time. And I was like, uh, I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's nothing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. She's like, no, look at this. And these like baby hair, yes. whatever. And it really bothered her. And I, I didn't even think really even to, to try, like, what, what would a solution mm-hmm. look like? So yeah, I mean, it's, have it's, felt that. It can be very emotional, like, especially for females, because yeah. um, there just weren't a lot of people talking about it. So um, long story short, I took the year and wore wigs. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on my scalp health. I'm going to focus on my wellness um, and really, like, give this thing, like, 100%. So meanwhile... There was actually this trend, um, or I guess a hack online, where a lot of women were using Monistat to grow their hair back, which is so strange. Yeah. But the reason that was working is because it has a lot of like antifungal uh, properties. What's Monistat? Tell Sean, Danny, you got to tell him. Is this something I should know about or no? No, you shouldn't know about it. But is it a good thing that I don't know a lot about this? This is good clickbait. Tell us. Okay, so all the guys on the podcast are going to be like, what the? By the way, we always joke that we have four female listeners. Hopefully that'll change after this episode. Four female listeners, we're all like dying inside laughing right now. face right now. So... Monica is what people, what females use for yeast infections. Okay, gotcha. And so a lot of women were using this on their scalp, though, and it's helping their hair grow. And people are taking before and after pictures, and it's like insane. So the reason that's working is because it has these antifungal properties in it, which nowadays, you know, they always tell you, don't wash your hair. It's not good for you. So a lot of females are using um, dry shampoo. And so they're putting all this dry shampoo, all this product that's just like sitting on your scalp, blocking your follicle. And so your hair doesn't really have like a fair chance of growing. So when they're using Monistat, you know, it's kind of like detoxifying. It's getting rid of all that product buildup and your hair is growing. So the only thing with that is you shouldn't be using it long term. It's just like has a lot of harmful things in it. So my goal was to find a more natural way to essentially accomplish the same thing. So I would like get into my bathroom and I studied bio at the University of Texas. I was right. going to. So did I. They don't teach you anything. They, 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 I learned photosynthesis yeah. for like seven years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't yeah. teach you anything about the human body. Exactly. <laughs> she can hang with the chemist. Sean. I can hang now. She can hang. She's like, okay, yeah, I, I remember yeah. that. I kind of I get it. But it's um, amazing how much you learn when you really need to learn versus right. like my major. <laughs> now I wish I really would have paid attention because right. yeah. I think it really would have benefited me. But. Could have known. Anyway, so um, so you know, I'm like a little chemist in my in my bathroom. I'm, I'm getting all these ingredients from online, Whole Foods, all over the place, and just making my own scalp serums. And I would, you know, share on YouTube like, "This is how I make it. This is where you order this, and then mix it this way." And and then people started asking, they're like, "Hey, can you just like ship it to me?" Right. And so I go to Jordan. I'm like, "I really think this could be a thing." A lot well, of we're not people. Ship them a petri when, when, dish. When was this? Like a couple this, years ago? Or? This was a 2019. Uh, no, they probably, yeah, 2019. 2019. Yeah, 2019. Um, and so that's kind of like where the idea originated from. And it was totally clean. So it's something that people could use every day and not feel like it's going to be harmful. So we had a lot of like eucalyptus, uh, natural jojoba ingredients, oil. jojoba oil, 
Um, but there were a lot of things I wanted to put in it that I just didn't have access to. So long story short, found partners, found a great chemist, and then came out with our first product, yeah. which was a scalp serum. And to be honest, I did not think that it would pop off at all. I really was just like, I want to serve my audience. I've been very like service driven with all of my content. I'm like, I just really want to serve people because I feel like if I serve them, they'll come back. So that was really just like the heart behind it. But what happened was a lot of people were buying it for like their day were down the street or their mom or their husband. And people started taking like before and after pictures. We never asked for before and after pictures, but I feel like that's kind of what made it blow up. Right. It's the people, best marketing there is, right? A before pe and after. Yes. Photo. People started sending in their before and afters. And like, so then I would start sharing them, you know, left and right. And I mean, every day I'm probably tagged in like 15 before and afters, even to this day. Yeah. So were there not scalp serums before that or there were, but they just weren't? You know, I think it was just such a new, like a niche, like, you know, putting something on your scalp, like a skincare routine, like creating that scalp routine was very new. People weren't really thinking about it. So I'm sure that there were scalp serums out there, um, but I don't think people were educated about like how to use them or why they were important. Um, so our biggest thing is just like, if you're taking care of your skin, like you should be taking care of your scalp. It's kind of like an extension of, you know. And so, um, so I think once people kind of understood how to use it, then they went to Divi first because we were also one of the only like clean scalp serums out there. Gotcha. So the business launches when? 2020. 2020. Uh, or 2021. 2021. 2021. October 2021. So mm -hmm. we're not even two full years in. Mm -hmm. And it's exploded. So I don't know how much you guys typically share. Do you guys share revenue stuff or not really? Yeah. I mean, like our first like full year, I think you already shared it. it well, you said 20 <laughs> is 40. But uh, yeah, we did about $40 million. And then, um, you know, this year we're on track to do 30%, 35% growth. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy. And that's mostly from kind of the power of your community or that's that plus a bunch of other marketing that you have to do, or how, how does the business grow? I mean, because that probably exceeded your expectations. I mean, that would exceed anyone's expectations. Yeah. yeah. I always say like when we launched the product, we thought that we were launching it for like 10% of Danny's audience. Like we were like, Hey, these people need to be served. Danny, you know, acquired this audience. They want a resource. And it just grew so far beyond that. And a lot of people think that you know, Divi um, is all Danny's audience that's buying it. And, you know, she's only made up about 15% of the overall revenue. Right. And so it was just a product that I think took off and worked. It was just right place, right time. It was like during the era of the skinification of the scalp is like what the beauty gurus call it. And Damn, so I missed that whole era. <laughs> yeah, you missed the era. Well, it's here. It's now. I don't have a skincare routine no, either. I, so I, I didn't catch up. I need to start with skin, move the scalp. <laughs> I gave you two boxes. Yeah, I know. You're, you're in it now. Um, <laughs> And so, yeah, it's it's just been wild. I mean, we we never expected. And so early did you guys look at like other creator led businesses? Like who was an inspiration that you're like, oh, you know, if we do this well, this could be like, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Skims or this could be like the Kylie's, yeah. Kylie's lip thing or whatever. I mean, we've always admired the Kardashians in a business sense yeah, of like how they've how they've like used their reality TV to grow all these businesses. And like we one thing we love about them is like how they all support each other. It's like a, an ecosystem. Like you're using, you know, Kylie's makeup and then right. you're wearing Kim's skims. And so we always love that aspect of what they do. But I mean, in terms of like our inspiration, to be honest, everyone in our space was just launching clothing lines. Um, so it was totally different. Yeah, it was very, we very different. Were you tempted niche. to do that too? A hundred percent. Jordan was like, please don't. Yeah. Please don't. The funny. returns are insane. My parents my dad actually has a showroom at the uh, Dallas World uh, Trade Center in Dallas. So he, um, you know, sells wholesale to, you know, Nordstrom, all these boutiques. 
my dad always told me, he's like, the one thing I ask you is please don't get in the fashion industry. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And so, um, but one thing I knew that I wanted, if I ever did launch a business, is that I wanted to have something that could be on subscription. And so a lot of my ideas were mainly tech at first. Um, I never really thought Tech, of like, like what, like, what would it have? Uh, you know, some service that you could get. I had, I honestly like, didn't have like a, a t- what? like you we had this there was like one. Yeah. There was one time where she like wanted to launch her own app because she felt like, you know, she could build a better community, like through a different platform than, than Instagram. Instagram yeah. and, and, I, and, and we tried it. We called it, what did you call it? The sassy club. The sassy club at the time. And it was like, we used this, uh, this third party app system and we drove a, a large part of our community to it. And we tried to do like more, the whole concept was like, let's meet in real life with our audience. And so it was like, we'd do meetups and stuff like that. And that was just really hard. It was kind of like a bumble. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was kind of like a bumble. Was, and so we tried that, you know, it, it was pretty difficult. And then it was, it was difficult to manage like the in-face right. interactions. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. I just hired a guy, paid a guy $5,000 to do a couple of like one-on-one like workshops with me. And it was all about this idea of personal branding which honestly a pretty lame phrase in general. Like I cringe that I even did all this, but I'm putting it out there in the spirit of authenticity. So I paid this guy. Why did I pay this guy? Well, this podcast itself has gotten pretty popular, but uh, I've always had this problem, which was just like, um, you see some people and their brand is so clear. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, there's this guy who, this guy named Pomp and Pomp is all about Bitcoin. He's the Bitcoin guy. Like, you know him about, you know, because of Bitcoin, he talks about, Bitcoin, everything he loves, you know, every fourth word needs to be Bitcoin. Yep. And then you have like um, Tim Ferriss, who's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the four hour workweek guy or the four hour right. body, four hour chef. He's the four hour guy. He's all about kind of life hacking your way there. And so you, you go down the list and a lot of people who have built good online followings, they have a clear kind of like they're the blank guy or they're the blank gal, whatever. Like they, that's what they're known for. And for me, I've always been like, well. I don't know, uh, the business business guy? That doesn't sound very like specific or focused. And I was like, oh, I've gotten pretty far without that, but maybe I, maybe somebody can help me kind of sharpen this. So this guy who I hired, he works with like, you know, like Jay Shetty uh-huh. and like yeah. Um, yeah. a bunch of people who are like that, like mm-hmm. uh, the guy who did Quest Bar, I think, yeah. Tom, whatever, Bill you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, like Jay Shetty, his story is he was like kind of like in and out of trouble, then decided to go be a monk. And he was a monk and then he like got kicked out of the monastery because a monk came to him was like, you know, you are like, there's something bigger in store for you. So he decided to make his life mission to bring ancient monk wisdom in a modern Modern. way to to the world or whatever. I butchered butchered that, but something like that. Yeah, he is consistent, man. (laughs) Right. He's doing it every day. I just knew him as like the blue-eyed Indian guy. Like, you know, that's what stood out to me. Like the guy's blue or green eyes. Yeah. (laughs) But I was like, okay, I see see the value in if you really like sharpen this like whatever your brand is all about. Mm-hmm. But then I've met people who are maybe like you, who um, you probably never hired a consultant or mm-hmm. like did a brand workshop or like sat down with a piece of paper and like tried to architect it. It seems like it kind of happened organically and naturally for you. So I, I, have, I have two questions for you. One, do you think you have like a focus like that? Like the blank, you, you, you are the, you know, just like the Bitcoin guy. Like, do you have like a thing that's like, our brand is, is about mm-hmm. this word or these three words or whatever. Do you have something like that? Um, so when I started going through my hair loss, I think it was the first time that I kind of felt like I had that thing. Like I was kind of like the wig influencer for a while and then kind of like the hair loss influencer. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, I feel like 
like I think our biggest thing is we've always just been very authentic and like goofy. Um, and we've kind of I feel like what we've done is figured out how to collide those worlds of like being professional, but also getting, you know, taking your heels off, getting back home, right. just like and being real about what it's like having two kids like you're in heels, changing diapers, kids peeing all over you. Um, but like I would say it it took like 10 years for right. people to kind of I've never had, you know, this persona or this video pop off and go viral. And then everyone knows who I am. Like, I've never had that moment. It's just been like very gradual of but I but I totally feel what you're saying. Like, I I still go through those times where I'm like, OK, who am I? Yeah, like, what's what my do, identity? What's my identity? Like, what do and I I do feel like there are some bloggers out there that are so good at like, OK, when you think of chick-fil-a you think right. of this one person or when you think of like this one brand yeah. you think of it dude that should have been mine chick-fil-a you're a genius yeah no in front of me the whole time yeah and it's like and <laughs> so done. i do try to find those things that like okay when in dallas when people go here like are they gonna what brands are they thinking of when they think of danny yeah. you know but it, it's it's challenging because also like i'm very you know one day i want to be doing this one day i like to like kind of shift and right. be on my toes and so what do you think people get wrong when they try to build a following not like the people who are just obviously bad but let's say people who have the potential work could be working out what do you think are the mistakes that those people make that like they're trying to be perfect all the time and it's so unrelatable i think like one of the biggest reasons that like people can relate is because we have made so many mistakes and we share them and like there's times when we get online and we're like man that was bad we should have done that like there was Example, a small example, but I was uh, cutting up like fruit for my daughter Stella's lunch and I'm cutting the grapes wrong, you know, like where they can ch choke on grapes and like had no idea. Like my mom never cut my grapes. So like I didn't know I was anything wrong. But, you know, like the DMs start flooding and the Facebook groups are popping off. Danny's right. like cutting the grapes wrong. Are you wrong. trying to kill your yeah. kid? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're influencing all these moms to cut grapes wrong. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. Like. So, you know, you get on, you're like, guys, I'm so sorry. Like, I made a mistake. Let me, like, teach you the right way to, to cut grapes instead of, like, deleting the content and right. being embarrassed about it. And so it's like... I think you cut them wrong the second time, too. I did. I did. I did. Um, but, yeah, so I just feel like I have a lot of girlfriends, like, in Dallas that are, you know, trying to do something similar. And they're trying so hard to just be perfect all the time. Right. And it's not you said really... About, you said the word relatable. I think that's a key uh, key thing. Like, we had the comedian Hassan Minaj. I don't know if you know him. He's, uh -huh. like, uh, on, yeah. he's on Netflix and stuff like that. He came on. And, um, and I was asking him something about, cause we do this, like we're doing these live podcasts now sometimes. So we're doing one this Saturday here in Austin. Mm -hmm. And so I had asked him, I was like, Hey, I'm going on stage, kind of like stand up comedy. There's going to be whatever, like thousand people in the audience. How do I, you know, any, what, what would you say? Like first five minutes, how can I set a good tone yeah. here? And he goes, um, he gave me two pieces of advice. He goes, first, make it clear that you are there. So he's like, talk about the room, talk about the person in the front row, talk about you know, the city that you're in and like what it's been like for you to be there. Like, just make it like, yeah. give them the fact that you're there and everybody will be present together when you do that. And he goes, the second thing is uh, low status. I go, low status. He goes, yeah, like people make this mistake a lot that they try to be high status. They're like, yes. uh, I want your approval. So I'm going to present a version of myself that is high status. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, the way people relate to you and like you is doing something low status. So, so making fun so of yourself, true. showing a weakness, being vulnerable, saying something that's makes you look bad, not great, or like embarrassing to you. And so he's like, you know, comedy is actually a low status art form, not like not high status, which is what you yep. like. If you go at a conference, you go on stage. Uh, 
it's typically going to be all high status stuff. People mm-hmm. trying to say things that show how important they are and how mm-hmm. smart they are and their resume and all that. But like, that's not how people relate to you. And right. so what you're saying kind of reminds me of that is like a uh, doing things that are showing the, the showing some of the flaws almost not just because they're there, but like it actually helps. It, it right. actually builds that relatability. I know. I I, I agree. I mean, I feel like the times that we connect with our audience the most is like in those goofy times when I'm running around with no pants on and like, we're like, oh, I relate. Same thing. You know, I think there's like a there's like a pushback on like A-list celebrities even towards influencers, because it's like, I don't understand, like, this is not relevant to my life at all, what the Kardashians are doing in the private jets and all this stuff. And like, I think that that's where people feel at home you know, is, is in these kind of like relatable moments, which is what I told Ben, you need to do. I feel like y'all do this so well on the podcast is like, you're not trying to be this business guru expert. You're just kind of talking about everyday people's business and your thoughts on it. And you're kind of riffing. And I think that, you know, I told Sean, I was like, I think he just needs to do more. He needs to get on Instagram Mm -hmm. stories. He needs to get on YouTube. That was my advice to him. Are you on Instagram? So I went non-private, like, you know, I'm on the yeah, first time. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm now not private. Yeah, when we DM'd him, it was private. I was like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't bother with Instagram. But but what did your 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 fancy branding coach tell you? So what he was saying was, so they did this, they did a great exercise, actually. Um, I kind of want to like package this thing up so more people can do this. I think it's a, it's a pretty useful thing. But what he says is he was like, you know, you want to figure out your signature stories uh, first. So he's like, don't try to get to the end point of, oh, I'm known for X. He's like, go look at your, the signature stories that made you, you. So like, what were the moments of your life that kind of defined who you were? Times you either made a key decision in life or you, which could have just been like, no more. Like, I'm not doing this ever again. Or, uh, you know, so some people have that if they give up alcohol or something. It's like, that becomes their brand, but it's like the signature story is the rock bottom story that they when literally they were so embarrassed at something that they did or right. felt and then they decided never again. Or it could be a signature story where, you know, they went from kind of being, you know, shy to actually getting out there being more confident. And what what changed? So you find your signature stories. That kind of reveals what you're going to be, what you're going to end up being known for. Or how the, the mental shortcut people will need to make right. when they're trying to think about who's that guy? Oh, he's the guy who blah, 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 blah. That's, hmm. their, that's their story. Um, the second thing he said was he was like, you got to figure out what you said something about like serving. He's like, basically, people will come to your content because they're, they're trying to change the way they feel. Mm-hmm. So you got to know that you're not giving information. You're giving a transformation of like, you know, emotion, how, how somebody feels. So he's like, what transformation do they get when they come to your content that you give them better and more consistently than anybody else? If you do that, you win. Mm-hmm. And so you got to figure out what is that change? So like with the pod, for example. We talk about business ideas or like, we'll show you an under the radar business you never heard of that's really yep. interesting, crushing it. But like, let me ask you, I, I bet, I bet you, I bet your answer will match what I think it is, which is why do you listen to the pod? What do you, what do you feel when you, when you listen to it? I think it's like education meets inspiration. Like, I think I walk away being like, oh, cool, new idea. Like, I want to, you know, I want to learn more about that. Or I, I feel like I can, you know, go do this in our business. Right. And I think that that's what you guys do really well, whether it's like just sharing ideas or, you know, uh, uncovering these things we've never heard of, but it's done in a relatable manner. Whereas like, I think that that's why it's inspiring is because you're not doing this in like this, I'm up here, you're down here type of way. It's kind of like, Hey, we're all here and we can all do it. It's more tangible. It's more tangible. It's very relatable. Like, I think that there's very strong parallels between 
what I've seen in like Danny's content and the way that she relates to her audience and what you guys are doing with your audience. Well, well we call it the girl next door. We, we don't want to be a supermodel. We want to be the girl yep. next door. <laughs> yes. You're still trying to be hot, but you're yeah, trying to be right. like, <laughs> relatable hot. Like, like, you're you're like, like, I can glam up. Yeah. Like, I can get there, but yeah, you are the girl. I love that. How have people, like, do you, what are your experiences like in real life when you meet people who listen to the pod? Uh, it's probably like how, what you feel, which is that they know you. They're right. like, 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 you don't know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, but yeah. I really right. know you. But like because, we're friends. Yeah, like like an Instagram, like daily vlogging, kind of like through an Instagram story is kind of the same way. It's like mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. I know you, your kids. I know what your house looks like. I know like on my way here, I was asking my wife. I was like, I was like, I don't follow them on Instagram. Like I don't know <laughs> yeah. their stories. What do I know? They're like, oh, their mom is like involved in it. And yeah. this. They got two kids. Like there's like all these little things that are. Mm-hmm known about your life the inside of your life and so i think like that's what you guys do on the podcast is different podcast is like such a long form conversation right unedited unscripted so you get to know someone's personality and we i usually do the pod with uh, my buddy sam and sam like it's kind of like two friends hanging out kicking it mm-hmm. and so you you get the like the what we found was that the two transformations people get the two feelings that they get consistently is we're like their entrepreneurial friends it's almost like yeah, they got to hang out with their two guy friends yeah. who are like super into business, nerding out about business stuff. It's like they kind of got to have the hangout without like going and having the friends and doing the hangout like themselves. Because it's like, oh, I was driving somewhere and I just listened. Right. But I kind of got my hangout fixed. Mm-hmm. And the second is like motivation or like the inspiration, like the juice yeah. to be like, I'm probably not going to go do any of the things you mentioned on this podcast specifically. But just hearing about stories of people doing interesting things made me want to go do more interesting things or made me want, if they're doing well, made me want to go crush it mm-hmm. in my field too. So once we realized that, it's like, oh, okay, that's very different than people come to me for this specific information uh, right. or the specific help. Because um, it's like, yeah, there's some of that, but it's not the main thing that gets people attached. I told I told Ben this, um, you know, but I, I said the biggest pitfall from here is... You got to stay humble and you got to stay consistent because I think that what happens in this era and, and you saw it a lot with the early TikTokers that blew up during COVID is they moved in these big houses, right? You know, and then they would sign with these managers and then they're all in all these commercials and the very thing that made them relatable and tangible during which those was times, dancing alone in their bedrooms, which was dancing alone in their bedrooms. <laughs> yeah. Now they're in mansions and it just loses the same sentiment. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's the pitfall of anyone really in like the entertainment industry, but like anyone who's built their brand off of authenticity is like losing that, right? So it'd be like you guys, you know, becoming jerks, you know, (laughs) or douchey. And then like, no one wants to hang out. And they're like, oh, well, now they're just pompous. Or even like, you have to protect yourself, you know, in our world, we have to protect ourselves from the sponsored things of like, oh, they're just bought now, you know, like, I don't trust them anymore. You know, I I, I don't believe that they're saying this for just genuine reasons. It's not Sam and, you know, kicking it. Mm -hmm. And so, you probably get this question a lot. It's the same question we get a lot, which is like, if you were just starting out today, what would you, what would you do? Right. If you were 21 now, what would you, where would you start? Uh, we get that on the business side. What would you say your, your answer to that is on the content side? Would you, yeah. would you start on TikTok? Would you go to Instagram? Yeah. And like what type of content would you do? Cause like yeah. you had said one thing that was actually very, very interesting to me. Your first video you said was like affordable New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve outfits. That's kind of amazing because that's a great, like almost like title. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it seems like from the beginning, you had a good sense of like what content will work. Um, right. Yeah. Not everybody has that. Like, I think most people would have tried something that's like, not yeah, that, that. I would say with like any platform that I started on, I mean, I would probably start on TikTok now just because I feel like it's the easiest to go viral. Instagram is so tough. Um, but I do feel like YouTube's like kind of coming back a little bit. Yeah, I heard vlogging's coming back. Vlogging, I, um, long form. But I 
honestly wish I wouldn't have started out with the trends, like chasing the trends. I really wish I would have liked just like found something really unique and honed in on that because I feel like I was like trend chasing for so long. And then I would have some video pop off, but that was just because it was trendy and no one actually wanted to get to know me more. Um, So I wish I would have just like kind of been more unique, which I think kind of just goes back to like, what does Danny actually want to share? Like, what is she really passionate about? I would mix in a little bit of that. Like I, since I was studying biology and kinesiology, I would, you know, mix in a little bit of like what I was learning in my classes. But then the next video was a trend, you know? And so that's the same thing that I feel like a lot of TikTokers get caught up in. You know, they're just doing all these trendy videos and then they have a meetup and like no one comes because nobody really knows them and nobody actually like connects with them. Um, And then too, like, I think branding as characters within your content is so important. Like you said, my mom's in a lot of content. So I had this idea to call my mom. What's her character? So yeah, her character is, we call her Tornado. And that's the the reason we call her Tornado is because she is a tornado when she walks in the room. Like right now, if she was in this room, she'd be dusting off your leaves (laughs) over there. She'd be fixing all the light bulbs. My mom has so much energy and I didn't really know how to like communicate that to the audience. So my first step was like, we call her Tornado. And the second step is every time she comes over, we're showing her up on a chair, dusting things off and like doing tornado things, doing tornado things, pulling me out out of my comfort zone, just like being a tornado. And so um, and then, you know, Jordan's Jordan's character is like every single day he gets up at the same exact time he wears, you know, he gets dressed up every single time I'm running around the house, just like chaos. So we all have our certain characters and I didn't really learn how important that was up until like probably like three or four years ago. How did so, you learn that? You sort of like... Into- because people started forgetting who we were. And yeah. so I, I had to like create a way where people like when they, when they you know, were missing it, like what did they associate our family with? And like how how could they remember us throughout the day? And so um, so like Tornado was was a, like was kind of huge for us. I yeah. feel like that was She's not only like that, but it was like very relatable because, you know, just even before we had kids, like the content we were creating, I'm like, who relates to this? We're traveling all over the world, taking outfit pictures. Right. You know, like this is not. Yeah, it doesn't it. make sense. And yeah. honestly, it was exhausting for us because it wasn't even like relatable for for us, you know. <laughs> and so as soon as we kind of like settled down and we had kids and I was like, OK, we have to figure out a way to make our everyday life interesting. You're like, so we bought our nice house and then we bought yeah. a relatable house. <laughs> yeah. And we no. content in a relatable house and then right. we go sleep in the nice house. No, I, honestly, <laughs> I know people that do that. Like, I know influencers that have second houses that literally just film there. Right, yeah. Our middle class house. Yeah. No, or I know influencers that literally will like, they'll take a Chanel bag to dinner, but right. they'll like switch it with like an Amazon one before when they <laughs> right. take the photo. And it's like, um, but no, I feel like what's so like unique about us too is like that we kind of live our lives just the way we were raised, yeah. like with the same family values that we were raised with. And we're not shared to we're not scared to share that with our with our audience. Yeah, I mean, I would say like everything you said a lot about like characters, this is like who they are, you know, and it was just like, how do we kind of like tell it from all these different angles? And it just fit, you know, like every family is a story, right? And I think that that's where a lot of the creativity seeped into what we did, right? And why it was hard to do what we did is we had to find what made our our family unique and almost produce it like a reality TV show. And I think that that, I mean, I don't want to say that we were the first, but I think that that's what we saw the medium of Instagram stories as. Like a lot of, I think, influencers in like the 2019 era when it came out, we were like, oh my gosh, like how am I going to do this? Because they're not super personable. And we, you know, with your YouTube background, we were like, oh man, this is like our platform to shine. And it was, it was so fun. So what I'm pushing you to do is like, show your wife, show your kids, like yeah. show the behind the scenes of like 
what is happening in Sean's life beyond just this podcast. Like that's what I think. And it doesn't even have to be family. It could be like your producer or your assistant or whoever it is. Like my my brother now has an assistant. Her name's Katie. And she shows up like three days a week and she is everyone like loves her on the content. And now because they love her and because she's a character, they go out and do these crazy things that they probably would have never done. That's just so much more entertaining now because there's another character involved. And so who's are you just like selfie with the camera? Do you have somebody who follows you around? This guy. Hello, my name is Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. I mean, yeah, it's we do have a content creator now that we actually just hired. Yeah, he helps um, with like reels because those are, that's a different that's game. That's a whole nother beast. So, you know, he's been helping out a little bit, but like we kind of just enjoy doing it ourselves. There's so a I, lot. I talked to another woman who listens to the pod, Z- Rebecca Zamarolo. You know, uh-huh. she's like yeah. a YouTuber. Uh-huh. She's got like 10 million subs on YouTube. Uh-huh. And when I called her, she was basically like, yeah, downstairs right now is like the camera crew. They basically live in our house. And she's like, my dog has a channel that's got like 300,000 subs. Like, Oh we have our God. gaming channel. We have our, she does like kind of kids, like role play content or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Story kind of like, oh, yeah. let's like treasure chest in the backyard. Let's go do whatever. Yeah. And so they not only, each one, not only was a character, each one got their own sub channels, has their own following. Yes. And then they have a camera crew that was like just there all the time. I was like, man, that's, you it's know, like lot. stressful. It's or like, just, it's like a lot. Like, it's like reality TV. It's like, you know, it, famous people, they have trouble when they go out because they're like, oh, I keep getting stopped. But almost like influencers have it in the house. It's like, I never get to just not. Yes. Have you said the same thing? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's it's hard. And I love our team to death. But, you know, it's it's hard when your job is to live your life. You know, your job is to to experience life, to capture it in a very raw, stripped down way. But, you know, when there's crews and there's teams, it's it's sometimes counterproductive to what you're trying to do. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the reason I think that the husband and wife dynamic works so well in our niche is because it's. It's just us hanging out, you know, and it's like it's the best content there there is. Danny had a Ben in her life that was like following around that wasn't her husband. It's like it's all about the dynamic. Right. And so like (laughs) I, you know, it's funny. I always advocate for like the best producer for a content creator is going to be the husband. In fact, I think that the most successful uh, couples in our niche have that husband wife dynamic where they're creating content together. It is funny. We have our so we do have a team and they come over like four days a week. But they they meet in our upstairs playroom. And so they're not the ones actually filming the content, but like they're there. Truly, as we had more kids, it was like, OK, we're just going to put this ball pit in here. <laughs> yeah. OK, here's Stella's table. And so Stella will walk in and just be playing. And there. But the amount of times that we've tried to, you know, get a workspace or get an office, yeah. it just like doesn't work because they do have to be there. Because like it, if we're going into an office every day, that's not relatable anymore. Right. And there's also like nothing. It, I don't know. It's truly one of the most like like technical nuances that's difficult about our industry um, is like, how do we position our team? Where do we put them? And then like Danny can't, you know, you can't just say, hey, Danny, come to the office and do a try on haul. All the clothes are in the the, the closet, right? right? But so it's always the trade off of, okay, do we have people in our house? What do we do? Yeah, we're still figuring it out. Still figuring it out. <laughs> and for the uh, like Instagram kind of like sponsored content or like brand yeah. deals, um, Tell me a little bit about those. So how, uh, how those kind of like changed over time? What, what, it, what is like working the best or what works, yeah. what doesn't work anymore or sure. it doesn't work at all when people try it? Yeah. So, I mean, brand deals started out as, you know, here's a product, go make a YouTube video, include it for 20 seconds, put the link in there. 
And like at first I was such a sellout because, you know, like you're I'm 20 years old. I'm like, I'm just right. trying to pay my rent. Detox like I'll do, <laughs> I'll do anything that I can do to just like get by. And so and then I think you get to a point where you're like, wait, like people really trust me. Like right. this is like some responsibility. So I kind of like took this approach where I pictured myself like, you know, shopping with them and then purchasing something, then trying it and then them being like, what the heck, Danny? Why do you recommend this? So I really started to take like more responsibility and like wait, I am a resource. Like I got to serve these people. Not only that, I have to find the best deals. Not only that, like I need to go after these brands and beg them for better promo codes that like they can't get anywhere else. So it kind of became like competitive with myself. Yeah, we kind of became like uh, like a like a QVC always going to have the best deal. And so right. we tried to adopt that mentality in house. You know, we, I always describe it as like a like a like a triangle, like at the top is the audience. And like as long as we're prioritizing them first, everyone's happy. At the bottom left is like our business, which we have to take care of. We run a team. And then on the right is like the brand we're serving. And we found that every time we try and flip the triangle a different way. So if we put the brand at the top, then the audience is like, you don't actually like this product and everything kind of just crumbles. And the, the, I would say like this year in particular, COVID especially, it was like, there was just this like craze for promo codes, like, because what the shopping was happening so much through Instagram that we found our edge to be like, hey, let's get the best deal that you're not going to find anywhere else, you know, in the country. And it kind of, I mean. Yeah, but I think what works a lot for us is to not just go 100% on brand deals, but to also couple that with affiliates. So when I post, you know, LTK, so when I share something that I like to know, right? like to know it. Yeah. Yes. So like to know it is basically a platform where, you know, anything I swipe up to, you can make commission off of it. But the best thing about LTK is I can share things that I genuinely bought. Like this top right now I got from Target. I purchased it. I get to go tell people, okay, it kind of fits a little tight in the shoulders. So maybe go a size up, you know, here's the link, make sure you order it in white. Cause that's about to sell out, whatever right. it is. And so that's like super authentic, super real. People know that you're making commission off of it. They don't care because you're just providing them like a lot of value. So that's like 50% of how we monetize. And then the other half is, you know, through brand deals where I feel like if you have a really strong affiliate base, like you can get really picky with the brands that you're, you're choosing. So we got super picky like the past couple of years. And um, and then it got to a point where like, OK, we're getting brand deals. We got affiliates. Now let's go after those brands that have never given promo codes or never given <laughs> deals. Let's fly out there and like meet with them in person and right. like beg them for promo codes. So one of those examples was free people. You know, girls love free people, been wearing free people for years. They never do promo codes. They rarely do. They'll go on sale, but never do like a discount code. So we begged them forever to get a code. Finally got a code you know, within the first hour, we pushed seven figures because people are like, and not only that, but because we, I had worn it for years and people had seen these, you know, these specific uh, crop tops that I've been wearing for so long. It was like the most like gen or authentic push. And it like benefited the brand, benefited us, yep. benefited the audience. Everyone's right. happy. And so what's the juiciest brand deal you've ever had where you were like, wow, they're going to pay us that? Like, that's a stupid amount of money or like, you know, we we can make this work. You don't have to say the name of the brand, or you can just describe. You're gonna it. say it. I I know what you're gonna say. I think you say it. Stanley. Yeah. Stanley. Stanley. Stanley cups. The cups. The, like, giant the water. Yeah. yeah. So fun fact, we were like the What's first. Why are those like so popular? Now? We were the first to I share mean, them. 
Yeah. First bloggers. Influenced my yeah, she bought one of them. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is humongous. This is a giant, giant cup. It, it's it's a great product. You know, they are owned by PE. Um, and so we flew up to Seattle and we were like, guys, listen, because they really hit that like Utah Mormon market right. really well. Love um, that market. Yeah, it's a great market. <laughs> um, and then they saw that that was working. The, the president is a guy named Terrence. He's actually a phenomenal like marketer. He was the one who put Post Malone and Crocs and like kind of like reverse Crocs trajectory to nice. being like a, a cultural icon. And so he, uh, I think, had noticed Danny and was like, hey, you know, like I, I there's something about this mom market that's working with Stanley, um, you know, flew us up there. And uh, it was it was hard. They still haven't given us a, a code per se on the quencher or have they? Not on the quencher. We oh, have a code on every other product but the quencher. Yeah, that's it's hard. But yeah, they um, they've been good. They've been awesome. <laughs> to us. Yeah. We have some special things coming out with them. We're excited. Yeah, about. we're excited. Okay, amazing. So pain points, right? So like you talked about how Divi was born out of a pain point that you had. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, as you guys are trying to run this kind of influencer business plus Divi, like, have you felt any pain points that you're like, God, I wish I wish somebody just made this easier or made this hiring better. people easier? <laughs> yeah. Wait, this is kind of random, but like content creation at weddings. Content creation at weddings. What yes. Tell, tell so. I feel like now brides really want like TikToks or reels or just like iPhone photos. They don't right. want to like hire this photographer and wait, you know, two months before right. they get their photos back. So at my wedding, I just hired someone to like take an iPhone and like take walk iPhone around. video, oh, walk that's around. That's a good idea. Take, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Take photos. And I just paid them like hourly, but I feel like you could get like a pretty good team that like you know, they take all this. The nice thing is, too, you get your content the day after the wedding. Because, right. like, the biggest bummer is you go to your honeymoon, you don't have any pictures. Nothing to post, yeah. Nothing to post. And, like, people are going to pay for that because it's their, their yeah, one day. The, a normal videographer, I think, is, like, 10 grand plus. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Like, and crazy. sometimes I don't even, I like the iPhone the, videos Because yeah, those are, like, like you said, like, my uh, sister-in-law just got married, like, a few months ago. She just now got, like, the first cut of yeah. the wedding video and then that doesn't look like what content looks like nowadays exactly it looks like this like, like archaic old, yes. like looking thing it's like nice yeah but it's like if you posted this it's like okay grandma like you know what yeah. this is not like a, they would yeah. rather had like five tiktoks and like six instagrams yeah right? that yeah. like well, felt like the fun right. of the party you know was and captured. I, I think the reason we've noticed that is because jordan films a lot of our content and we've we've been to a lot of weddings where the next day the bride is like reaching out to me like hey can you send me that reel that you posted or uh, your stories for the day and we're like oh they already expired like right. they're they're yeah, done they're for gone. you know and so, there's yeah. so many like content creators now that i feel like don't want to be influencers they're just like content creators like they'll just create content right. for other people i think someone's gonna that's a, always been a great idea you had thank you that, if i had more time i, I like, I, I like <laughs> that one a lot and that's cool because that could just be like local franchises right exactly. like yeah you could uh you just train someone in how theory to do you it. could just start that business and then be like I'm looking for an operator in Nashville. Yep. We need an operator in Florida exactly. yep. who's going to be able to do these like dispatch content creators. It's so easy. And they go but, in and then they like cut it all up and then they have it to you by midnight. Yeah. Who, who did it's you say? You said there's a bunch of content creators that don't want to be influencers. So who are they? What are they? What are they doing? Yeah, I would say like we've seen this a lot with like Divi. It's it's called UGC now. So it's like uh, user generated content. So there's like for a brands. whole. Yeah, there's like a whole economy now of they're not getting paid like as a brand deal to promote it on their own stories. It's like, you know, hey, we'll pay you $2,000 for four videos with our brand a month. And so these brands will have uh, 10 UGC creators on standby, right. on retainer, you know, and they use that content for ads. And so what is happening is like our, like our UGC 
content at, at Divi is performing the best over any type of, of like course. branded asset. And so it makes it sort of feel like a lot of people are Real, using the yeah. brand in, in an organic ways. And they, they are, but it's a whole other new class. And I was like, oh my gosh, people are doing that. Like that's insane. Yeah. We pay for our brand. We pay like between one and $2,000 to a handful of creators for this yep. exact thing. And mm -hmm. it's like, they don't have a following. Yeah. They're just like good at creating this yep. content. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're like, wow, you know, I get free product and I get paid to do this. Yep. Like, this is totally. amazing. And I, I don't even need to be famous. Like, yep. I felt the hit even with my brand deals. Like, we don't get a lot of those opportunities right. more because they, they used to come to me and they used to say, hey, we'll pay you X amount. Of, but now I guess we're too expensive or something because <laughs> yeah, we yeah. never hear, hear from them anymore. Well, it's kind of shifted to like, that's interesting part about like how the influencer industry shifted is it's, it always kind of goes in waves, right? But it's like moving from like, back to mass marketing where it's like as many people as possible are using right. and talking about your product at the same time. And so yeah. that's how it goes viral on TikTok. That's yeah. how it goes viral on TikTok. <laughs> and so where does Divi go from here? So you guys are at this level now. You are you guys you have like a retail distribution too, right? Yeah. So last year we did about eight percent of our revenue from retail, but we are scaling in Ulta. So we're hoping to be in all doors of Ulta by the end of this year. Um, I don't know. Danny's always been big on like not taking investors. So we didn't do that at the front end. Um, and so we're kind of like we own our own destiny at this point. Um, I think that we're very passionate about the mission of Divi. Like it's hard to create an influencer brand that people don't think you just slapped your name on it. Right. So we really wanted to create a product that is more and bigger than Danny. And so the products have to be really good. Um, and so we're really focused right now on innovation we're trying to patent some of our technologies um by the way why is it called divi what's the name yeah you answer this i always forget so it's just like divvying up attention to like each area of your life it's like overall better lifestyle and overall wellness but, but is it one of those things where it just sounds cool then later you're like what's the meaning or you're like i always Honestly, she doesn't you know, really want to know yeah. it was just so hard to trademark yeah anything. i was like, like I mean, I mean, she gets so mad when i say this but i was like yeah it's the third name all the other songs are trademarked <laughs> no it was like the 30th name yeah. like um it's a good name yeah it's and, good yeah I mean, now i like i love it now good. but uh. <laughs> and uh so you go into retail you hired up a bunch of people you said yeah what else is like what's the next unanswered question for you guys what are you trying to figure out next I would say like, you know, last year was very difficult uh, just because like it was kind of Danny and I running everything. We've now, like you said, hired like this suite of VPs. Um, I would say the next biggest challenge for us is like we're kind of setting the stage for in 2024 to go international, um, which some companies have done really well and other companies have really botched. Yeah. Um, and it's been just like a, a money pit. And so that's probably the next frontier for us. And you know, we would like to do it without having to raise additional capital. We've done everything thus far ourselves, um, which is very unique. I mean, so. the best part is like our audience is kind of built in. So when we launch something, people tell me that day if they like it or not, or that right. day right. what they want more of. And so, you know, our sequence or what we've launched, we only have four SKUs right now, has just been like listening to our audience. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest things is, can you sell international? And so- right. So we're definitely working on that. And then just like a lot of other SKUs in the pop pipeline, since we only have four SKUs, yeah. we have a lot. Product development's been the hardest thing to learn for us, for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's like that uh, company like Seed Beauty that was doing stuff for, I forgot who, Kylie or some, something mm -hmm. like that. Oh, there's, yeah. like a, yes. there's like these companies that are behind a yes. lot of yes. the influencer brands. Like, yep. uh, I know like the Prime Drink or whatever, there's like these guys yep. behind it that totally. they have their own company. They do yeah. like multiple brands out yep. of that. 
Did you guys work with somebody like that or did you do your own sourcing and manufacturing? We found a manufacturer and that's pretty much it. Um, you and know, like we, formulation, how'd you do that? You went to like a formulation house or whatever? A formulation kind of the lab? same. Yeah. Like manufacturers usually have chemists in house. And so we, we found one um, and it, it, they developed our serum. Um, and luckily we just picked one, right? That's a very hard world to navigate to. I've learned. Um, I think we totally got lucky with our manufacturer on the first one because there's a lot of bad manufacturers out there and you don't know until six months later. Right. right. And so picking the good ones has been hard. But yeah, other than that, I mean, we have two in-house chemists now. Yeah, we have two in-house chemists. We, we again, with the influencer business, like Danny learned so much from having a manager. We've always just tried to be entrepreneurs in-house and bring it in-house, which is usually longer. You make more mistakes. It's harder. But I mean, I think that we like where we're at, where we didn't have a Cody or someone come in and say, just slap your name on this because we're able to listen to our audience, develop the products that we know that they want. And uh, but yeah, it's more challenging for sure. <laughs> I didn't see him at all last year. Yeah, I was Literally, gone last I was year. Like... I'm like, I have a life now. I play paintball now. So like, I'm, I'm good now. But <laughs> paintball round? Yeah, I play paintball now. So. <laughs> no, and it's also the first time now we have like our four VPs when we walk into yeah. a room and we're like, hey, we have an idea. Can we do this? Yeah, we're like, you know? What's the political process of how we get things done? And, and now there's process everywhere. Whereas like, you know, if we have an idea today and the content side, we're like, okay, let's make it happen. You know, right. and it's just, it's becoming a real company, which is, it's cool, but it comes with. Yeah, I have to be careful. Jordan tells me when we walk into the office, he's like, you can't just walk into the office and tell them what you want. Or well, that you don't like, something. like we've been working on this product for eight months. She's like, yeah, I don't really like it. You know, it's like, wait, wait, wait just don't say it. <laughs> just crushing hopes and dreams. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Do you think you'll be doing content in like five years, 10 years? hundred percent. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with my job. Like I love creating content. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think of it as a job, but it's, yeah. it's honestly like, so I, I think it like our relationship, I feel like is always really healthy whenever yeah, we're is. like creative together and creating things together. And I think we love doing that. Um, Instagram therapy, basically. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you guys connected. Well, if you work with your wife, like you, I feel like you have to work through so much more conflict than if you have right. nine to fives. <laughs> like, I mean, we, yeah, it's, it's, it makes our relationship stronger. In, in a, and we have something like a, a larger goal. And then, you know, um, but we'll see like how it evolves with involving our family, like our kids. That's yeah. something I kids still haven't really figured out. Um, and that's what's so great about working with Jordan is like if we ever didn't want to share our kids or go down that path, like, him and I can just take over again. Right. Um, and then also having Divi, we don't have to rely on on sharing the entire family. Um, but no, I think it's something that we'll probably always be doing. Yeah, we're, well, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. yeah, so people can find us on Instagram under Danny Austin. Um, and then Divi, DiviOfficial.com. Yep. Um, and then Instagram, DiviOfficial. Yep. <laughs> and what about you? Where's your Instagram? Oh, I don't. You yeah. don't even have one? I don't have one. <laughs> Dude, you got a spinoff character, <laughs> no, man. No, like. No. <laughs> it's so much effort that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, it would, talk, it would, it would, it would cause recording. conflict in our marriage to try and do both. Like it's it would, true. yeah, I'm a great supporting actor. That's yeah. hilarious. Amazing. Third if people want to come work for you, how would they find you? Yeah. Yeah. If you want. If you're yeah. Right. If, uh, if you guys want to come work for Divi, email hello at DiviOfficial.com and it'll get to me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. I know this is uh, definitely, you were probably like, what the heck is this podcast? <laughs> Who are these guys? But, uh, you know, really I cool. appreciate you coming on. It's yeah. fun. It's fun. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having, having us. us. Right on. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel. Never looking back. Like